When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Welcome back to another episode of Betches Brides. I'm your host, Fallon Carter. And today it is another bridal guide episode. Very excited. It's wedding season. I'm in the thick of it. There are so many things that I'm doing every day that I'm like, oh, God, I want to share this with the listeners. I want to share this. And also your emails have been fabulous. So I want to tell you, thank you. Keep it up. And also thank y'all for the love. I am excited that you're reaping some benefits from this. And I'm hoping that your weddings are turning out more beautiful than you imagined. And yes, I know it's stressful, but stay in there. You signed up for this mission. You can do it. I promise you. It's going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be worth it and the pictures are going to be fabulous. So, if you want to send in an email and ask a question, you need some help, some guidance, assistance, you can shoot that over to us at brides at betches.com. Again, brides at betches.com. Send over your questions because I'm in the email box right now and I I love looking at it. But we're going to jump right in. Today I'm going to talk a lot about planning a wedding at home or on a farm, or basically an open landscape, basically a venue that does not have walls. And I know a lot of people choose to plan weddings at their parents' home, or a friend offered a house, or a farm, or something like that, and you're like, yes, a free venue. Well, I'm going to tell you how to do this really well, (laughs) and from here, choose your adventure, honey. But when I tell you outdoor weddings are by far my favorite, because you really do get to craft everything but I do believe that could be overwhelming to someone who doesn't do this all the time. So buckle up if this is you and if you're experiencing some heart palpitations <laughs> because you're, you're anticipating planning an at-home wedding or you already are in the midst of planning an at-home wedding. And uh, yeah, so first things to consider when planning a wedding that's at, at your house, at a farm, open landscape, something like that. If you are not able to hire a planner, which I always strongly recommend because you need one who's done this before because it's such a daunting task. You really want to be clear and specific when you're hiring creative partners. You want to make sure they understand exactly what you're trying to create and they can help you bring that vision to life. And you want to hire really fabulous creative partners that have done this before, especially in your area, because they will have questions for you that will get you thinking and really bring this to life. They will also know exactly how to execute this, specifically thinking of tenting vendors, rental vendors, uh, more of your bigger, your catering partners. All of these folks will know exactly what to do when it comes to executing an at-home wedding. So 
be really intentional about the conversations you have and saying, Hey, we're not, we're doing this without a planner. We really want it to be like this. We want to, we want this. Can you help us and make sure that they're really down to help bring this to life. So next step is walk your space. Identify where you would love to have the ceremony, the cocktail hour and reception. I usually take, like I go to Home Depot a lot (laughs) and I have those measuring, um, it's like a little wheel. It's a wheel and it has like sticks on, it's a handle, but it's got wheels on the bottom. It's basically a tape measure that rolls. I take those to all of my site visits because you're able to roll the distance of things and you can create your own floor plans because most of the time, no one has a floor plan for your house (laughs) or your backyard or the farm where you're going. So take your measurement with you. Generally, a person who's doing a tent for you um, will have this with you. So if you're having a conversation with a tent vendor, when they come on site, they will be the ones to do the measurements and put everything together. But the first things you want to do Uh, you really want to identify where is that ceremony happening? Where is cocktail hour and reception? Things to consider when you're trying to identify which places make the most sense. Think about timing. And the reason I say this is where does the sunset? Do you maybe want to have the dinner so that everyone is watching the sunset in a special place? And generally I like to say, have your ceremony closer to the entrance of the space. So that way you're creating some surprise and delight. We've done a wedding where we had the ceremony in the front of the house. Uh, the cocktail hour was kind of like on the side and then the tent was built further in the back so that there was a transition of space and everyone was able to kind of explore. It orients people to where things are. If you let them kind of travel in an adventure on, <laughs> but you're figuring out where your ceremony cocktail hour reception spaces are. Also think about your cocktail hour and reception space. Those will need access um, for your catering team to supply food. So think about specifically for a reception where you want your caterers to be in correlation to the reception space. So talk to your catering team. Generally with a reception tent, we're building a catering tent right next to it. So that the food will go in there, all of the rentals will go in there. And then your catering staff kind of works out of there to deliver the food to the tent. So Make sure wherever your receptionist has enough space for that tent. Moving down, identify who you want in your home. And I always suggest no guests should ever be inside the home. No vendors, no no one, unless it's absolutely necessary. So consider your home as like, that's your house is internal. Maybe you're getting ready at your house. The wedding party is getting dressed at the house, but no one else should be allowed inside once the ceremony begins. So what you want to consider then are your bathrooms, because if no one's allowed in the house, where will people use the bathroom? So put your bathroom, I would always suggest getting bathroom trailers. And when it comes to bathroom trailers, there's various companies. You can get Porter Johns that are really nice. You can get Luxury Lou's, uh, which we use often that are beautiful inside that have multi-stall. When you're talking to your bathroom trailer person, The things that I always include with our bathroom trailers, I always include an attendant. Like I never skimp on that in any way, shape or form. Always have someone who can maintain the bathrooms between usages and also ask them to bring their own generator because the bathrooms need power to run off of. So they're gonna, the luxury lose, like the trailers generally do. When bathrooms are loading in, given the the format of your driveway, they either go first or they go last. And that's something to talk to talk through with 
your bathroom vendor once you start understanding your other vendor partners. Now, consider this. If you don't want anyone in the house, once you begin loading in all of your vendor partners or creative partners, they will need to use the bathroom once they start loading in. When we're doing weddings outside or that have an art at home, generally our load-in is starting sometimes as early as Monday before a Saturday wedding or sometimes maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday before a Saturday wedding. So you want to think about the people that might need to use the bathroom. Therefore, sometimes it might be best that they come first so that your creative partners can use the bathroom while they're building it on site. And you can have the bathroom attendant only on site the day of the event. So the bathrooms will maintain themselves, thank God, or so we'll figure it out. But the bathrooms, you don't need the bathroom attendant. They'll live their life. If you want to just go in there after your creative partners have left for the day, sure. But just let the bathrooms live. And then once the attendant comes on wedding day, they can clean up and make it look nice for your guests. So bathroom attendants, if you're getting not the Porter Johns and you're getting the fancy luxury loose, think of you're going to need power and running water. So you really want to talk to the, your bathroom attendant person about what it looks like. You want to have them come to the house. You also want to make sure they can drive everything up to where you're going. So understanding, and that's just not for bathroom, that's any vendor. It's like we're doing a wedding in Malibu right now and the hills are really steep. So we have to use specific vendors with specific trucks that can get to where we need everything to go. So just make sure you've mapped out roads and turns and have every single vendor come to the house prior to booking. If they require a soft deposit, don't do it. And <laughs> Have the person come to the house to actually make sure they can do the event before you pay any money. If you need help creating a floor plan, all seated is an option. I also love mary.com. Those I use them religiously to make my 3D rendering, so it's super super perfect and they're really easy to use. They offer classes and, you know, we're going to have them on the show eventually. I'm very excited. So bathrooms alone is its own beast. If you're like Fallon, I don't want to go through all of this, then you can let your vendor, your creative partners into the house during setup, but just bring the bathroom trailers right before your event. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Leading me into power. Power is one of those things that it will make or break your event 100%. So whenever I'm working with a rental company or specifically a tenting vendor, I want my tenting vendor, um, well, my tenting and my lighting, in all honesty. If my tenting and my lighting people are too separate, I always have my lighting person take over the generator. And the reason I do this is because If the lights go out, (laughs) I want the person who is responsible for lighting to fix that problem. And if you're doing music like a band or a DJ or anything like that, all of your power is generally going to have to run through that generator. So when working with a lighting company, ask if they have an electrician on staff and ask if they have in-house generators. Not every lighting company will. Therefore, if you hire a lighting company and a tent person, you'll have to get your generators from another third party, which is extremely frustrating because you need, when you're doing load-in, you'll need that generator person to actually be on site all of the days every per- every person is loading in to test that the generator works with the lights. So, right? So <laughs> you want to make, ideally you want all of your power to come from the people that need the most power, which is your lighting. And you want always want someone to be on staff the entire day of your event to make sure if anything goes wrong, it's it, they fix it. Because I was like, I don't really know how to rev up a generator and I don't intend on learning. We hire the people to know how to do this. Now, with that said, if you have to hire a third-party generator, that is not the end of the world. I do it more than I'd like to. Just make sure that generator comes with an attendant that can power it and make sure it's good. They bring the extra fuel. They know exactly how to do it. They know exactly where to put it. All of that fun stuff. That's power. Going into lighting. (laughs) And I'm going to say right now, every single human that is coming onto the property should have a COI or a care of insurance that lists the home as kind of your venue, if you will. This will, and you also should definitely get wedding insurance. You can use WedSafe. Um, I really think that's the only one I know off top. That's the one I suggest, but please get insurance and insure yourself. Um, and make sure everyone else has insurance. Generally, a a million dollar policy is, what, about 200 bucks? Get insurance. Even if you're doing a wedding at a ballroom, get yourself some insurance. So 
back to lighting. <laughs> when you're thinking about lighting for an outdoor space, you have to think about what happens once the sunset as opposed to lighting that makes it pretty. Yeah, you can kind of make it pretty, but understanding most of the time that you're outdoors, you have natural light. So you won't need any lighting until the sun sets. So you want to talk to your lighting company about pin spotting your tables or up lighting kind of like a tent, if you will. If you guys are going to be strictly outside, consider your bistro lights. Um, and also if you're in the middle of trees or if it gets really dark where you live, um, always consider creating ambiance lights, like up lighting trees that are around you. So you're not sitting like you're, you're not having like a dinner and it's like, I don't know if there's a bear over there, if it's like my cousin Johnny, like you have no idea, like make sure you're lighting the trees around you so that you know, and you can orient yourself. Also create pathway lighting. And you can do this. Um, you don't always need your lighting company to do pathway lighting for you. Most of the time, and this is not a plug for Home Depot, but you can go to Home Depot or order offline, kind of like walkway lights that you can use. And if you have a landscaper or someone, if your parents do the gardening or something like that, talk to them in advance about the, the flowers that you're growing. If you guys are manicuring the trees, like maybe taking some extra leaves off of them so you can see a little bit more clearly. But whoever is that like green thumb person, let, talk about your plan when it comes to lighting pathways. Generally, you only need a pathway to the bathroom trailers, wherever people are parked or transportation is picking them up. Make sure you light a path there because at 10 o'clock or midnight, however late you're going, at the end of the night, you're definitely not going to be able to see. So you really want to make sure it's clear. And if you're having a wedding in a time of year where the sun sets earlier, you really want to make sure your catering team can really see very well. So talk through when it comes to lighting and power, really have robust conversations with every single vendor because every single vendor is going to need light in some way, shape or form throughout the entirety of the event. Talking about the sun setting, mosquitoes. <laughs> when you're having an outdoor wedding, you have to prepare for the other things that live outside. So you have to prepare for other wildlife, bugs, mosquitoes, anything, to be honest with you. And that usually means calling like a pest company. What they can do is they can spray sometimes either the morning or the day before your event, they can spray the ground. So that way pests are kind of at bay, give or take. <laughs> it's funny. I remember I worked at a farm and they were like super, super sustainable, super green. Like there were water buffalo walking around. I was like, they are not going to let me bring a pest control and spray this place. Like she is not going to have it. So my team and I, we went to Whole Foods. <laughs> well, we Googled like natural mosquito repellents because when we put the tent up and we draped it, there were, it was also tick season too. And it was like, it was terrible and there was no flooring. So we were like, guests are really just going to be sitting in the ticks. Like how do we prepare people for this? So we bought as many all natural repellents as possible. And as people got off the buses, um, we like made like a spraying station essentially like but we made sure everything was all natural. We went to Whole Foods. We ordered a lot of stuff. And then when it came to the tablescapes and even like the drapery, because bugs were getting stuck in the drapes. And I was like, this is terrible. But <laughs> we got like eucalyptus and lemongrass, spray, like all natural essential oils, mix them with water. And every five minutes, I was literally just walking around spraying like and the bugs would just fly away. So it was great. They would come back. But ultimately, what I'm saying is make sure you're having a plan on how to repel bugs. And I'm also really sustainable. So try not to use off or deed or any of those other th crazy things. Think about 
hiring a pest company that can come and definitely spray for your ticks, definitely spray for mosquitoes if you're if you're down for that. But if you're like Fallon, I don't want any of that in my property. I want it to be a natural, holistic space. I totally feel that. Just make sure your bathroom trailers or you're providing welcome bags that have like mosquito repellents or mosquito shields. One of my clients actually had scarves. We purchased scarves for guests and I still carry mine when I go to like Mexico and, and all of that. But it's a scarf that is a natural mosquito repellent. So I don't know how to explain it, but it's a, it, you Google it. It's probably on Etsy or something, but it is actually a scarf that I wear and it keeps mosquitoes away. It is wild. It's, it lasts up to 70 washes and it's beautiful. It's like a linen color and it is linen. It's absolutely spectacular. So consider your mosquito plan. And I'm speaking as from someone who mosquitoes love me. So just think that through and make a plan for what to happen with what you want to do with the mosquitoes. When to cut the grass. Now, this is something to consider after you're thinking about your load in and load out. You want to make sure the grass is cut. I always say cut the grass before you're, if you're doing a tent, make sure the grass is cut really, really well before your tent comes. Put the tent in and then cut the grass again, either the day before or some people even cut it the morning of if you're really saucy. But consider a plan for cutting the grass, understanding you know how quickly it grows. And speaking of cutting the grass, if it rains, the, the, that's why it's like putting a tent up or c- covering the grass where you want your, your ceremony to be so that you protect it if it rains right before the reception or the ceremony or if it rains right before wedding day, to be honest. You just want to, that's why we put tents up a lot earlier so that we're protecting that grass and keeping everything dry inside. Water sources, and this is like, where do people pull water from? So like water hoses, because you'll need a, you'll need water to kind of run some things as far as your floors is probably going to need to get water from you, especially if they don't have access to the home. Your bathrooms need water sources. So make sure you understand where your water sources are around the home. And again, have very robust conversations with all of your creative partners about the things that they need before you sign a contract to make sure you actually have them and that you can deliver what they need. If you don't, that's when you guys start to get saucy and, and come up with creative ways. Um, to create a water source, <laughs> setting up a back of house. So this back of house is, or a war room is what planners call it. And this is a place where my team and I will be able to go to kind of just decompress, take a step back, just really collect our thoughts. This is also a place generally where I change my clothes. <laughs> I have changed my clothes basically in a hut once. Like Anyway, but it didn't have power. It didn't have running water. It didn't have any of that. It was just a little a rickety wood house and we, you know, use that place to store our food and understanding working on a farm, I can't take things that need to be heated up. So it's like I took peanut butter and jelly and I took fruits and, you know, like snacks. So find a place that your creative partners can store things, specifically your floral designer, because they're going to need a place to put flowers to keep them cool. And a lot of times underneath the tent is where we're doing a lot of our working, heavy lifting, hanging lights. They don't have the space they really need. And your rental company, so all of your glassware, your flatware, your china, all of the things that are being delivered, even your liquor, everything is generally going to need to stay in a a back of house place. So identify a place to store things. And if that's maybe the lower level of the home, that works too. But identify that space on the front end. Most of the times it's a garage or some type of outdoor shed. So identify your place because a lot of vendors are going to ask, where can we store things? Because 
you know, you don't want everyone to be bringing their cars. You kind of want everyone to carpool, bring one car, offload it, and then go park that thing down the street. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Up next is giving your home address, and this is completely up to you. Some people are totally fine with it. Your friends know exactly where your parents live. It's no big deal. Other people are a bit more private, or you want to encourage people to really do a ride share, or you really want to transport people physically to the address because it may be hard to get to. When you're doing something like this, consider where you want people to park if you're going to need valet or transportation. So giving your home address can be optional or giving the address of the venue can be optional. Sometimes what we do is we find a parking lot or we pick everyone up from the hotel and we give that address as the address of the wedding. Um, Or we say private estate and transportation will be provided. So the wording you can kind of figure out depending on who your crowd is, but ultimately tell everyone to meet at this one location and give them a time that's an hour before they actually need to be on site. Um, of course, you can map out how long it takes. Transportation takes a lot longer than a physical car. And you also want to account for the time it takes people to get on a shuttle. And you want to take into account people running late and still parking their car and running too. So with transportation... If your ceremony starts at four o'clock, you want, I would say, and your venue is maybe 30 minutes from the hotel, you want to leave at three, 315-ish. So, <laughs> but So maybe you want to tell people to be there at 245. Um, so you really want to cushion yourself because the best thing is you can get everyone on the bus. And what we like to do is we tell the bus when to leave. And this actually works transportation all the way through. So you don't have to, anytime you're doing transportation, definitely cushion the time that people need to get on the bus to when it actually needs to depart. Because worst case, you know, people is people are really late and you actually leave when you need to leave. So it's like, just take your time here. Transportation, if you have a 30 minute travel time, consider that that 30 minute travel time actually takes an hour. Always over budget for your transportation timeline, just because that's, the way of the world. Roads get closed, detours, the bus can't go this way because there's a bridge, like just prepare for that. So parking, if you are gonna give your home address and you want people to come, identify a place for cars to park. Encourage ride shares or identify another friend or family member next door or someone who has a driveway or a, you know they have a front lawn that's really large. 
and hire a parking attendant. I cannot tell you. A parking attendant is a game changer because they know how to park cars. <laughs> a parking attendant and a valet. So they're not as expensive as you think. Sometimes you pay for the price of how many cars you think are coming. So that's why I said really encourage people to ride share if you're not providing transportation. And maybe you're in a city where maybe ride share isn't really a thing. Encourage people to just travel together like in a group. So parking attendant, have a valet. It's not as expensive as you think or hire someone from like your local church or something that can help park people on the lawn. Um, so that way when people are getting out, the cars are not all raggedy and all over the place. No one's blocking anyone in. It makes sense and it's clean. Like this is, this is not a place to scrimp at all. Talking through staffing. Staffing, you need a lot more staffing for an at-home wedding than you do for your traditional ballroom wedding um, or a normal venue wedding. And the reason I say that is because there are lots of things that are going to happen throughout the day that you just want someone else to do. I'm just going to say that because that's that's me. I pay for convenience like 100% of the time. So you definitely want some staffing to do heavy lifting. And you can get your staffing through various staffing companies. You can get them through TaskRabbits, any, any of those platforms you can do. Just make sure they actually come and that just ha have more than you need because staff people always cancel. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I always overbook and I'm always right on time. So when it comes to staffing, talk to your catering company or your catering team and see if they can help you with sourcing additional staff or your rental company or uh, sourcing additional staff. And the reason I say this is sometimes your rentals will come, they'll drop them off a day in advance and Maybe your catering team comes, but they're moving a little slow. I always have an extra set of hands of people who can lift things and move things. Um, you also want to have a ladder just in case you need to get up and maybe open up the ties on the side of the tent or lower them down. If you're not having a tent vendor stay on premise, which I always suggest, have staff there that can do the things that you're maybe not hiring the tenting or the bathroom to tendant to do. So Staff should include your parking, your valet, bathroom attendants, someone to power the generator, someone to help with the tent, either lower the sides, bring the sides up. If it's going to be cold at night, it's someone to, that knows how to light the fire. If you guys have a fire pit that knows how to chop wood. My mom used to call him a Jethro. I need a Jethro. I need like five Jethros that I can just say, hey, can you move that over there? And they can move it. Because I, especially if you don't have a planner, on your wedding day, you're not trying to figure out how to move things. And you're always like, my wedding party will do that. Those useless people will do a, a whole lot of nothing but worry about themselves. So get you some Jethro's that can move some stuff, pick some things up, and know how to make some stuff happen, especially at an at-home wedding. But get you some people, because you're going to need some people at this wedding. You're going to need to tell a lot of people what to do. You want to pay them so you don't have to feel guilty about telling them what to do. Okay, so also make sure you have staff to clean up your house afterwards, especially after rentals have left, especially after everyone's left. There's going to be miscellaneous cups all over the place, especially if you're doing an after party. So we always hire a cleaning company to come back to the house to just do a one sweep and make your house put together, which is why I say never let people in your home because they will trash it. And you're knowing you, I already see it. You're going to be like, oh, I'm just going to let my friend, oh my God. You let one in, you're going to let the whole wedding in. And before you know it, everyone's in your house. Just go ahead and have the staff ready to clean it up afterwards so you don't have to think about it. Okay, tenting. Oh, tenting, who loves a tent? Tenting's great. I always suggest a tent. You need a tent. You got to have a rain plan. If you're not tenting and you're really like, I'm doing fully outdoor, kudos to you. Good luck. Godspeed. 
Definitely have a tent on hold for your date. Pay the deposit. You will thank me later. That's all I'm going to say about it. When you have a tent, all before paying for the tent, before making any deposits on the tent, before saying absolutely to any tent, have that tent vendor come to your house or the land or the farm or wherever this is and make sure they can build a tent. What you don't know about building a tent is that there are things that are under the grass that sometimes prevent you from putting things on top of the grass. So make sure there are no like pipes or electric things, all of the other things of the world that run underneath the ground and that you can put stakes in the ground, that it's level, that it will hold up, that you can do what you need to do. So have a tent person, a a tent vendor, come to the house, make sure everything looks good. And also make sure your tenting vendor does all the permitting for you. You are not going to be over here trying to figure out what this code means and what that thing is and to run this down. to No, make sure they include permitting into your quote. It is worth it. Hands down a hundred percent. And there's going to be fire marshalling. There's going to be some other department things that you have to do. There's a lot of approvals that have to go with through with the tent. So just make sure you're working with someone that knows how to get it done, that's trusted, because the last thing you want to happen is the fire marshal, because they always show up when you don't want them to. A fire marshal will show up at an event, and if he doesn't see the right exit sign, if he doesn't see the fire extinguisher hanging where it is, you're going to have to be like me. I have to go and sweet talk him. I got to try and offer him some cupcakes that I don't have, and or her, and be like, hey, sis, like, can, can you can you hook me up? Like, then you're going to have to, you're going to have to waste your time doing that. So hire someone that can do everything. So you don't have to give anyone the eye or show any cleavage or like sell your children, like do everything the right way. Okay. So when it comes to the tenting, the tenting is usually the most inexpensive part of the tenting process. What costs you the most money with tenting is actually your flooring. So flooring is like, expensive. Most of the times we're doing outdoor weddings, it's rare that I'm flooring. I'm really probably just putting down a dance floor and everything is just grass. Um, But if you want to floor your tent so that people have something to walk on, make sure you're talking through that pricing prior to, and you understand exactly what that looks like. And I'm going to say this right now. You have vinyl options, you have hardwood options, AstroTurf is generally your least expensive. Then you have your vinyl. And we've done vinyl that looks like hardwood. It's easy. It's fine. It just rolls out like a carpet. You can do carpet. Actually, I love carpet. It's great. Carpet's expensive though. But anyway, if you don't want to floor it, you do not have to floor your tent. Just make sure your guests are aware that it's an outdoor event and they don't wear stilettos. You really just want to prepare people for the footwear. The next expensive thing about tenting is HVAC. So putting AC in it. That's really, really pricey. So think about fans. Ask your tenting vendor about fans. Also consider having sides up so that there's there can be a cross breeze and just talk through all of the tenting when it comes to flooring, making it comfortable inside, tent sides up. And again, always make sure that there's someone that knows how to operate that tent to stay on site the entire time. And the reason I say this is if there's a crazy storm and the wind starts to blow and this thing starts rocking and rolling, you don't want to have to look around and be like, who can save us? I want to look at the tent vendor and be like, can you save me? So that's make sure you're having people responsible for their things on site. It is worth it. Trust me. Next step is rentals. And rentals are easy. 
sort of, <laughs> you really want to talk to your rental provider about your intended guest count and always make sure you're never ordering just enough. I always order 15% more. So if you've got, if you've got 60 guests, I might order 80 chairs. <laughs> so always order more than you need when it comes to rentals because you can't just go and get some more someplace else. And they're having to wash and repurpose. So really make sure you're understanding your rental conversation with your rental provider on how much you need. When it comes to chairs, if your ceremony is in a second place and your reception's in another place, your chairs either order two sets of chairs or I order benches for ceremony and I'll order chairs for reception, or sometimes I'll order two different types of chairs. If you only have the budget for one set of chairs, that's where your Jethro's are coming in because your catering team might be too busy with cocktail hour to move the chairs from ceremony to the reception. So you really wanna make sure that there's someone there who can hustle to make all of your chairs go inside, get them put at tables, and you guys are ready to go. Okay, rentals. So basically your barware, your glassware, always double order your glassware for, you're gonna need glassware for your cocktail hour and you're gonna need glassware for your reception. So really talk through with your catering team and your rentals and always have your catering team manage the rentals so that way you know they have exactly what they need. And always put your catering team in touch with the people in that are leading the conversation with the generator because your caterer needs things to heat up the food and they know exactly what their power needs are. So they'll be able to have a really robust conversation with your generator person about all the power needs that they need. Okay, now we're going into sound, entertainment, that kind of thing. Bands, DJs, they're all great, but they will need power. So when you're making that initial floor plan, place where you wanna put your musicians because you'll have to talk with your lighting sound person to say, hey, I'm gonna need, we call them power drops. We're gonna need you to run power lines to these various places where our band or DJ or whomever is gonna be set up. So that way they can plug in their amps or plug in mics and all of that stuff. So really understand where, these, where music will be happening and where you're gonna need to put auxiliary power. And you can work that through really easily with your power person. And last but not least, understand your sound ordinance and understand all of the laws and regulations for the area in which you want to get married. Especially if you're in a small town, there's lots of permitting. There's things you have to jump through when you're building a structure and you want all of your tenting person to do that. But also your sound ordinance. This is how long your music can play amplified and at which kind of decibel, if you will. Most of the time when I'm doing an outdoor event, the music has to be off by 10, but that's just from working in LA, that's from working in New York. And basically all of our outdoor weddings have been relatively close to a metropolitan city or someone's home. So people don't wanna be here in this party at midnight. So understand exactly what the sound ordinance is in your town. You can easily ask your tenting vendor for this and they, sh they should have it, but also Generally, whenever I do these weddings, I always have friends that are also in the police department. So it's like, not to sound wild and crazy, but someone in the family knows somebody in the police in the town and just let them know that you guys are doing a wedding and to prepare for any sound issues. If you already have some snarky neighbors that are not invited to the wedding, I would say prepare by gifting. Usually we give them a bottle of champagne or we give them a really great sweet treat. Prepare them 
to know, you know, send little letters to everyone on the block or everyone that's nearby that's saying, hey, we're doing a wedding. So that way it's like, don't call the police. It's a wedding. It's not like we're just having a rager for no reason. Like it's a love story. Make sure everyone knows that there is a wedding happening. We're going to be going late. You know, thank you so much for cooperating with us. Enjoy this and pop the champagne for our love. We love you. All right. Whew. That was a lot, right? It's It really isn't that much, but it's like kind of that much. But you'll be fine. It's great. And I'm always here if you have more questions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. <laughs> going to jump into a few questions from some of our listeners, which I'm very excited about. Okay. I've gotten two questions regarding this issue. So I'm going to just read her email. Victoria Moss, I think M-A-A-S. She said, first of all, I absolutely love your podcast. Uh, Victoria, I love you too, darling. And this engagement picture that you put in here is absolutely lovely. And she says, you give such great advice and I really need your help. I'm here, girl. Let's talk about it. I'm a bride who is trying to stick to her budget. I live in New Jersey. So as many of you know, the prices of vendors and weddings are very high. Yes, you've picked a very expensive city. I want to have a beautiful wedding, but don't want to go broke doing so. I am really having a hard time knowing how much to budget for tips. First of all, what vendors do you tip? I don't want to forget anyone. And for each vendor, how much do you tip? Do you do 20% or just give them some cash? I would love your help because I don't want to over budget or under budget. Also, here's a pic of me and my fiance. You guys look really cute. Okay. Who do you tip at your wedding? I could really do a, a whole bridal guide on this whole thing. I always say tip the vendors that have gone above and beyond for you on your wedding day and the people that are on site for the longest amount of time. And generally, those people are your photographer at your videographer. You should definitely be tipping them. You can tip them. I don't want to give you a percentage because I think a tip should come from the heart. I would say anywhere between 15 and 20% feels realistic. Sometimes you just can't do that. And all you can give is like maybe $50 or $100 or $200. When you sit down and think about it, think about what you want this person to have. And I think that's fine. Also, I think any gift is really lovely if you can't truly afford to tip them the way you'd like to. So definitely your photographer and videographer. They are on their feet. So what do you have, an eight-hour package, a 12-hour package? Their vendor meal was probably cold because it happened during the toast, all of that fun stuff. So tip your photo and video for sure. 
Always tip your caterer and your wait staff and your bartenders as well. Generally, I say you take 15 to 20% of the total cost, not including your taxes. So excluding taxes, take what that 15, 20% of what your full bill was, your food cost, um, not the cost of staffing, not the cost of labor, not those, like what was the cost of food and beverage for your event? The same as you would do if you were tipping at a restaurant. Take that 15, 20% and that's the chunk of change you want to hand to your maitre d'. Guys, pro tip. I cannot stand tipping jars at weddings. Like this is not a venue. This is not like anytime if your bartender wants to put out a tip jar, like gross. That is that is not this kind of party, bro. This is not a I mean, maybe it is a cash bar event, but even if it is, stop the tipping jar. Hate it. Remove it. So anyway, Make sure you tip the bartenders and sometimes tip them up front so they don't have to be having this. I've seen it where they have little Venmo signs and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Please remove this. Like, who do you think I am? Anyway, hair and makeup, you definitely want to tip them about 20% of the service. All of your musicians, your ceremony musicians, your cocktail hour musicians, and your reception band. Every single piece of the band you want to tip. So that's the, the tech who stayed on and make sure the speakers were good. Any person that was in that band that's on site on the day, you tip them. All your chauffeurs, your drivers, anyone that delivered anything, all of the staff. So that bathroom attendant, the parking attendant I told you to get. If you have any coat check people, it, your banquet manager, servers, staff, anybody, all those people at the venue, you tip them. And the florist. Now, I've tipped florists who've done a lot of heavy lifting on the day of the event. I can't say I've tipped, I, and this is being transparent, I haven't tipped a florist that often in all honesty. But if they brought a big team, they're going above and beyond, and sometimes we've done two days of load-in, they should definitely get a tip. And you, you can think like 15 to to $100 a person type of deal. Wedding planners, yes, tip me. Hi, my name is Fallon, and I'm usually the person that's there from start to finish. I'm the longest person there. Tip me, tip me. I don't, like some people don't. I'm like, what does, give me a gift, something. Like we've busted, we've busted our butts here. And tip the team. So if I have a, a six girls, tip, tip us. You really identify exactly where you fall within that threshold and choose your adventure, darling. Your on-site coordinator, you also want to tip. Um, and hopefully that is helpful. Your officiant, do you tip your officiant? This is one of those, like give them 250 if they're an actual like clergy member and it goes towards the church, like your donation. But if they're just a friend, sure. <laughs> Tell them we love you so much. You're, we're so grateful that you're here. Um, you're tipping them with a free meal. Okay, we got some more questions. Where do speeches go? All right, so Bridget Allen is, we're getting married September 2023. Happy day, so exciting. We booked the venue we love, but the only date it had available was a Friday because most of our guests are coming from out of town. We have decided against a formal event on Thursday night and are renting out a space in a barcade. I'm not sure what a barcade is, but I'm assuming it's like a bar and an arcade together in our city on Saturday night. So you're doing something Saturday night, copy. We are very happy about this until we started thinking about the speeches. We want to limit the number of speeches on the night of the wedding to maximize time on the dance floor. So that leaves us with three options as I see it for speeches. Having the traditional rehearsal dinner type thing the night before with speeches. Or two, my fiance's mom wanted to throw a brunch on Saturday for family 
but was open if we wanted to open it up a little bit to close friends, which would make it easier to have speeches. Three, bring a microphone to the barcade space on Saturday and have more of an open mic vibe, which could potentially transition to karaoke. Is it weird to have speeches the next day instead of before the wedding? Is there another option I'm not thinking of? We are not going super traditional with the wedding as a whole, so I'm not opposed to things being a little different, but would love your insight. You know, I actually don't mind any of these options, but I will say after a wedding, people are pretty done. So I can't say my attention span would be like, I want to go now to, I've ha- you've done your wedding and now I'm going to go to another thing and listen to speeches. Like I'm tapped out, especially on a Saturday, like count me out. And Saturday night, I don't want to have to stop and listen and then do care. Like I really just want to be in the fun. Like Friday was your day, lock and load on your day. I definitely suggest having the traditional rehearsal dinner type thing the night before. But I will say, I preface that with, are you sure you can't squeeze everything in on the day of the wedding? So where do speeches go? That's your main question. I generally say a majority of speeches should happen at the rehearsal dinner because that there really is no other entertainment, like just have speeches. That is the point. It is the entertainment. If you have more than 10 toast, have that rehearsal dinner. If you have four toast, you can do that in the wedding day. And, or I would say five, four to seven, you could do them during the wedding. And the way that we stagger the toast, you have someone who does a welcome. You could try and throw a toast at a cocktail hour if you really wanted to. You could also, after the, once you walk in, everyone finds their seat, you run the welcome. If you want to have a welcome and then you want to run a second toast, you could do that then. So put two toasts on the front end. Hold your first dance until later. The first course comes out. You could then have two more toasts during first course. Or you can make sure everyone has really short and sweet things to say. And your first course, I would say people eat the first course anywhere between... 30 minutes, give or take. So you could fill that time with just talking and then clear, bring music up, let people go to the bar, take a breath, catch their breath. Um, And then you can do your second rounds of toast during dinner, which give or take is another 30, 40 minutes of eating. So if you manage your toast during dinner, like the dining portion where people have food in front of them, You can bang out a lot if you're really strategic and you give everyone a time limit. But if you have like, if it's, if you're trying to push like anything over 10, which I still think is a lot of talking, you should have something the night before. It just really sets the tone of what's to come. But if you really want to be informal, I just think people are going to be hungover at the brunch on Saturday and really not care. I mean, that's me, but choose your adventure. Bridget, good luck to you. Godspeed. And let's see, invites and stationery. Again, I could do a whole nother bridal guide just on this. Okay, this is from Paola Mata. I hope I said your name right. I love you, darling. Um, Hi there, the big day is on September 8th, 2023. I'm trying to find an invitation suite and stationery that is all the same font. Any good tips on how to figure this out? When I look on Minted Zola, they don't have a suite with welcome signs, et cetera, in the same font. Any good tips would be really helpful. Like the way that I want to say this might be the easiest question I have today. You actually email Minted and you email Zola and you tell them you like this sign and you want it with this font. And they usually will say yes. 
basically with minted and Zola, actually I haven't really used Zola that much. So just pardon, pardon that if that's incorrect, Zola, I love you too. With minted, usually when I have a design edit, they will help you design it the way that you want it. So like if I have names that run long or if the color isn't right and I want to see it differently, they will change text colors. They will change font colors. Minted is super, super user-friendly. And what you do is when you submit your order in the text box, you can even call and say, hey, is this even possible before I purchase it? But in the text box where it says like notes or like adjustments, I usually put resize for best fit or would love to see this in an olive color. And I would love this to be the font this to match this. Tell them exactly what you want and they can customize it. Also, another thing to consider when it comes to invites and stationery, don't sleep on Etsy and the designers that live in Etsy and that can really create something special for you that you can print on your own. Um, so they can create digital PDFs of every single thing that you want. And back in the day when I was really in a pinch and I needed things quickly, I would have them create something, make it match everything that we've already done, or tell them this is how I want. I need this piece, this piece, and this piece. Send you the digital PDFs. Find a really great printing company where you're from or go to your FedEx Kinko's. Um, I don't even think they call it FedEx Kinko's anymore. I think that that just showed my age, but you know what I'm saying. Go to the FedEx place or UPS or any place where they print stuff for you um, and have things printed. But I strongly suggest using an actual printing company because they can generally print it on better quality paper. It's thicker. You can really get it to look special and they can cut it just right um, and really get the envelopes to be absolutely spectacular. So First suggestion, Paola, is go on Minted and tell them exactly what you want. Call them and say, does this, don't just, the sign that you see might only have one font. Ask them, can I get this sign in this font? And if they say yes, yes. If not, go to Etsy. And Etsy can get you what you need created. Take those digital files, send them to a printer and say, I need this in a 24 by 36 with a foam core backing so I can put that bad boy on an easel. And you in there. All right. That's it for this episode of Betches Brides. I'm your host, Fallon Carter. You can find me on Instagram at Fallon Carter Events. That's on Instagram. I'm not at TikTok yet. I'm still, well, I think I've put up one video. I'm trying to get there. Stay with me. And you can follow Betches Brides on Instagram and we will have episodes every single Monday. And I can't wait to hear you, see you, and hear from your emails again. So thank you guys so much. Love you. And till death do us part. Betches.